If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I'd like to share a message with you guys entitled Gospel, Hope, and Encouragement. Gospel, Hope, and Encouragement. If you're here uh, tuned in for the very first time and you're new to City Church Garland, I want to welcome you. If you would, uh, just put your name in on the comment. Maybe you could message us. Uh, with your name and just let us know that you tuned in. We have a gift that we would like to get to you. We can send it via email. We have a special gift uh, to send you that would be a blessing to you while you're home quarantined to the house, something that will enrich your spiritual lives, we trust. Uh, so, yeah, if you guys would uh, just message us there. Uh, again, my name is Keith Dollar. I'm the lead pastor here at City Church Garland. And what a joy it is to to be with you guys Um this morning on Resurrection Day. First Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13. It says this. Actually, let me pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the hope that we have as Christians in light of global crisis, in light of coronavirus, we have hope and encouragement that comes from you because Christ is risen indeed. And so help us, God. Help us to see from your perspective. Help us to receive hope that comes from you, the God of hope today, and encouragement. And may we be conduits of hope, conduits of the gospel message, conduits of encouragement. May we encourage one another and exhort one another and stir one another to love and good works all the more as we see the day approaching. Amen. All right. First Thessalonians chapter four, starting verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others who do not, who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring him, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen. So here's our big idea this morning, namely that knowing and believing the gospel of Jesus leads us to live hope-filled, sober, and godly lives that encourage others. Okay, knowing and believing the gospel of Jesus leads us to live hope-filled, sober, and godly lives that encourage others. 
Okay, notice verse 13 and 14 here. Okay, so the first thing is that uh, I'd like to point out is that knowing the gospel leads us to live hopeful lives. Paul says in verse 13, he says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will raise him, raise God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So you and I, saints, who know the gospel and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and have become a part of his family, we've been born again, we've been forgiven of our sins. We have reason to have hope even in grief, even in suffering, and even in sorrow. What seemed to happen here with the Thessalonians was some of them thought that their loved ones who were Christians who had died before Jesus' return were perhaps going to miss out on the benefits of the resurrection that Jesus uh, promised to those who believe in him. He was raised from the dead and we are promised those of us who believe in him. John 11, 20, uh, 25, it says, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he dies, he lives. Okay, so we're promised resurrection life. We're promised to be raised up with him. And so some of these Thessalonians seem to think they, they seem to have this grief and sorrow about loved ones who had passed away as if they were going to miss out on the resurrection. But you and I who know the gospel, who know it accurately, and we know what, what, what God teaches us through his word about the gospel, we have reason to have hope, even in the most dark, difficult, painful times in this world. So Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant about those who've fallen asleep so that you may not grieve as others do who do not have hope. You see, when, we're, when we misunderstand the gospel of Jesus Christ and all its implications for us as followers of Jesus, it leads to uh, bad practice. It leads to wrong thinking and wrong living. Bad theology, distorted theology, leads to bad habits and bad practices, right? Um, uh, many people, so, so let me just give you an example here. So I have talked to so many people on the street about their relationship with God, okay? And, and a lot of people who I've talked to feel like they're okay with God and they feel like they're going to heaven, they, and when I asked them, you know, if you were to die today, where do you think you would go? And most of them would tell me, I'm going to heaven. And then when I asked them why, this is what I usually get when I ask that question. They'll usually say something like, well, I'm not, that, I'm not a bad person. I'm a pretty good person. And that's a very typical answer there. And, and when we ask that question, that, that really is a diagnostic kind of question, okay? Because when somebody says, I'm a good person, or I'm really not that bad a person, what it reveals about their belief system is that they believe that they're good enough to merit heaven, 
to merit salvation. When the Bible makes it very clear that you and I cannot merit eternal life, salvation by our works. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works. It is the gift of God, not of yourselves. Lest any man should boast, right? And so salvation is a free gift that God gives us. It's a gift of grace that we don't earn. And so what happens is when people think that they have to earn their way to righteousness, to forgiveness, to acceptance, to eternal life, to salvation, they practice, they, they, they practice ungodly or they, they do things to try to please God in their own strength, thinking that they can earn their salvation. And it leads to legalism, and it wears people out. It leads to religion that is wearisome and that, that stresses people out, right? But the gospel of Jesus Christ is a good news of grace, okay? And when we understand it, when we understand that we're forgiven, we're accepted, we're redeemed, we're brought into the family on the basis of grace, not our works, it frees us up. It frees us up to rest in Jesus. It frees us up to take great risk for God because we trust that He has us, He saved us, and we belong to Him. And so Paul wanted the Thessalonians not to be uninformed, not to be ignorant, not to misunderstand the gospel and its implications for their lives and for the lives of those who died and were Christians, okay? That they didn't have to grieve over them in a way that lacks hope. Now, it is appropriate for Christians to grieve, okay? It's appropriate for Christians to grieve right now with this global pandemic and the thousands of lives that have, are being lost and the, the community that's, that's lacking because of the distance between us and the jobs that are lost and the uncertainty about our future and, and all that's going on. It's appropriate for Christians to grieve, to mourn, to lament and to express that to God. The Psalms teach us to express mourning and grieving and lament to God. Discouragement, our, our struggles. The Psalms teach us to voice that to God in prayer, to be honest with Him about that, right? And so it's appropriate for us to acknowledge that we do grieve too, yet we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Without the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't grieve as those who don't have hope beyond this life. We grieve with hope. Okay? Now Christianity, Christians are not exempt from sickness, from suffering, from, from disappointment, from tragedy, from, from difficult things, from, from having their, their, their stuff taken from them, from, from injustice, unjust things being done to them, false things spoken about them. As a matter of fact, Christians are promised many of those things. Persecution, tribulation, and even temptation, and trials, right? And so, so there's going to be difficulty in the life of Christians too. 
And so our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't is not an, an escapism from the struggles of this life. We we groan. We groan with creation that that we're looking and longing for the redemption of our bodies and of creation. Okay? And yet yet we do that. We we live in this life with hope. We we grieve. Okay, it's, it's appropriate for us when we feel pain and struggle to grieve. Okay, but we do so with hope. And the reason we have hope is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus stepped into our broken, fallen, post-Genesis 3 world. And Jesus experienced rejection he experienced being falsely accused. He experienced persecution. He experienced injustice. He was sinless. He did good to all. He represented the Father perfectly on earth. He obeyed the Father perfectly. He pleased God the Father perfectly. And God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, was crucified on a cross as a criminal. And he died a shameful death for you and me. Not because he deserved it. He didn't deserve it. We deserve the death that he died. And it was our sin that put him there. And his love for us. But Paul explains what the gospel of Jesus Christ is in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. He says, For I delivered to you... As of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The scriptures foretold and pointed to and prophesied about the Messiah dying for the sins of the people, for the sins of the world. Isaiah 53, read that when you get a chance. Um, so Paul summarizes the gospel narrative. Okay, if you were to boil the gospel down, what's the gospel about? Christ's death, his burial, his resurrection. Okay, and his death had purpose. Jesus wasn't just a common uh, 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 Jew in, in the first century who died. He died on purpose. And he gave up his life. It wasn't merely taken from him. He willingly laid down his life. He could have called legions, legions of angels, thousands of angels, to protect him and fight and keep him from dying a death on a cross. But he planned it. The Father planned it. And Jesus died specifically for your sins and my sins. Jesus came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The spotless Lamb of God who died for your sins and my sins upon the cross. And he was buried for three days. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead, just like the scriptures had foretold. Okay, Psalm 16, uh, 10. Uh, the, the scriptures pointed to the resurrection of Jesus, that he would come back to life. He told his followers this was going to happen. It didn't catch him by surprise. 
Okay? And so because of this, you and I can have hope because Christ has been raised from the dead and he promises that we too will rise with him. And so we grieve with hope because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let's go on to 1 Thessalonians 5 here, uh, verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need that any, you have no need, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security. And then suddenly destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day for that day to surprise you like a thief. For we are all children of the light, children of the day. For you for you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Amen. And so knowing the gospel also leads us to sober and godly living. Okay, notice uh, verses four through eight here. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Jesus's return is going to be like a thief in the night. Jesus is not going to call ahead and schedule his return with everybody so that they can be ready. All right. It's uh, it's an appointed time, but it's not a time that we'll know the hour or the specific time. So the Bible tells us over and over just to be ready. Okay. And those of us who are Christians, who are in relationship with God, are ready. We're not in darkness. Okay? For you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light. Children of the day. For we are not of the night or of the darkness. So let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. You see, the gospel leads us to live sober and godly lives. Lives that are alert and awake. Lives that have been redeemed. Lives that that have their hearts thrilled by a relationship, an authentic relationship with God. And so our eyes have been opened. We have been awakened. We've been raised from the dead. We are children of the light. 
For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Let us not be intoxicated with the things of this world to where we are unaware of what's going on spiritually, to where we are unaware of what's going on morally around us. Let us be sober. Let us be awake. And then Paul calls us, to calls the Thessalonians, and this applies to us as well, to put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet, uh, for a helmet, hope for salvation. There's this, this, this triad of faith, hope, and love that the Apostle Paul likes to point to. And these are three things that should mark the life of every Christian. These are three, three marks of godly people is they have faith. The righteous live by faith. And the righteous have been made righteous through faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Christians are people of faith. We are believers. We believe the good news of Jesus Christ. We know it. And we believe it. And our belief affects our behavior. Okay, Our perspective of hope that we have in this life and in the life to come affects our practice. Okay, our our perspective affects our practice. So we have faith and we have hope, this hope of salvation. We as Christians have been saved. We've been redeemed. We've been forgiven. Okay, that's past tense. We've been justified by the grace of God through faith. And we are being saved. We're being sanctified. Okay, and God's using even stuff like this pandemic to sanctify us, the pressures, the hardships of this life, difficult things he's using to sanctify us. OK, so we have been saved. We're being saved and we will be saved. We will be delivered from the presence of sin. We will be redeemed from the fallen brokenness of this world and our king will come and he will make all things new. So we live in between this time that theologians call the already not yet. The kingdom of God has come. King Jesus has come. He has brought redemption. He has brought salvation. And that is ours. We belong to him. Right? And yet, there's this not yet. We, we look at the world and everything's not okay. Okay, we see sickness, we see injustice, we see slavery, we see racism, we see tornadoes ripping through and tearing up houses and hurricanes, and we see terrible things in this world, and it's not okay. And it won't be okay until Jesus returns. Now for the Christian, yes, we can say it is well with our soul because we have this hope. But for the non-Christian who doesn't have salvation in Jesus Christ, it's not okay and it's not going to be okay. Notice in chapter 5 where it says that there, while people are saying there's peace and security. Or in other words, 
It's okay. It's going to be okay, guys. It's really, it's okay. Don't worry about this virus. Don't worry about the world. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Okay? There's people, while people are saying that, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. You see, it's not okay. This world's not okay. And you're not okay if you don't know Christ Jesus as your Savior. If you haven't turned away from your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Once you do that, then you can say, it is well with my soul. I have peace with God through this storm, through this pandemic. In the midst of tribulation, the Lord will keep me in his perfect peace in the eye of the storm. He will bring me through this. Notice the element of surprise for those who don't know Jesus and don't know the gospel. For those who are unbelievers. When Christ returns, he'll come like a thief in the night. Thieves don't call and let you know that they're going to come by and take your stuff. Right? There's an element of surprise there. Okay? Um, when a when a woman goes into labor, she doesn't know when that hour is going to come. She she may have an idea. My wife and I we have four kids, right? And when when it comes time for labor, we don't know when that's going to happen, right? We try to plan it, but we don't know when that's going to happen. And so there's this element of surprise. But for those of us who are Christians, we are to live in such a way, in communion with God, loving God, loving people, doing good to all, especially the household of faith, abiding in Jesus Christ. So when He returns, we're not caught off guard, we're not surprised, and we're not ashamed. 1 John 2.28 says, And now little children abide in Him. So that when he appears, you may have confidence and not shrink back in shame. And so knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ, it leads us to live sober and godly lives. In Titus chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says something similar. Referring to the grace of God, he says this. Titus 2 Verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Exhort, rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So notice how Paul points to the grace of God that saves people, also teaches people to live godly lives, self-controlled, upright. It teaches us to renounce ungodliness, to turn away from sin. 
We should never use the, the grace as a license for sin. Okay, grace empowers us. Knowing the gospel of grace empowers us to say no to sin. And when we do sin, yes, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. We have a sacrifice, the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins. In 1 John 1, 9, we can confess our sins and God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God's faithful to forgive us when we blow it. But God's also faithful to not allow more temptation on you and I than we're able. So with each temptation, we can find a way of escape and endure that temptation by the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I can live sober in godly lives. Do you know the gospel and has it caused you to live sober in a godly life? Has the effects of the gospel led you to, to live a, a life that's sober, spiritually and morally awake and sober, not slumbering, not sleeping, not ungodly, but godliness? The effects of grace, the gospel of grace upon our lives is godliness and sobriety. Amen. And so the next thing here I'd like to point out is that knowing the gospel also gives us a source for encouragement. A, a source of encouragement for ourselves, but also a source of encouragement for others. Okay, notice in chapter 4, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another with these Words. Well, what words was he talking about? Well, verses uh, uh, 14 through 17. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, the gospel, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring bring with him those who've fallen asleep. So, so the good news that Christ has died and he's been resurrected, he's coming back. He's going to raise us up with Him. Those who've died in Christ are going to rise and have new bodies. And then we're going to be raised up and we're going to be resurrected and we're going to be with Him forever because of the gospel of grace. Because of what Christ has done for us. Amen. Verse 9 says, For God has not destined us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now, I hope verse 9 here encourages you. God has not destined you to wrath. Saints, if you find yourself during this global pandemic being confirmed with a case of coronavirus, know that God has not destined you for wrath. If you find yourself diagnosed with cancer or you find yourself in some tragic situation where there's a loss of life amongst one of your loved ones or yourself, and a terrible thing that happens, painful thing that happens to you, know 
that God has not destined you for wrath, but for salvation in Jesus Christ. And, and Paul points us to the gospel to, 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 to highlight that because Jesus took the wrath of God that we deserve for our sin. He became the propitiation for our sin. He bore it on His body. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. There's no wrath awaiting us. There's no wrath upon us any longer. Because it's been removed by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus shed for us. It's grace and mercy and goodness for all eternity. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Christ has died for us. And as Paul says in Romans 8:32, he who did not spare his son, but he gave him up for us all. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress or persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword, or coronavirus? What shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor debt, nor anything else in, in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing, saints, can separate you from His love. He's got you in His grip of grace. And nothing that comes your way or my way in this life catches God by surprise. Everything is filtered through our sovereign, wise, and loving Heavenly Father, everything He allows us to experience is filtered through Him. And so He's got us. Our times are in His hands. Our life is in His hands. So just, just breathe. Breathe in a breath of grace. And trust that the Savior's holding on to you. That He's your shield. He's your fortress. He's your refuge and nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He has not destined you for wrath. He has destined you for salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ. And you and I who've taken refuge in Jesus Christ, we have that. 
And so we are to encourage one another with these words. This is a deep well of an encouragement and hope for us to draw from daily. We're to soak our souls in the good news of Jesus Christ and find encouragement for our hearts, confidence, strength, and be reminded of God's great love for us that's never changing and be kept in peace because of the gospel of peace. And we have a source to encourage others with in this dark, difficult day, this pandemic, where people's hearts are fainting with fear, melting with fear. We have some encouragement that we can give and put in and, and be conduits of encouragement, of grace into the lives of others. Because we have this deep well of the gospel of grace to drink from. And Christ has died. He's been buried. He's been resurrected. And he is coming back. And that's Paul's emphasis in Thessalonians. Is that Christ is coming back. He will return. There will be a resurrection when he returns and there will be a great reunion when he returns. We will be together with him and with one another and we will be able to recognize one another in heaven. It will be glorious. It will be wonderful. Can you imagine a world of perfect love? A world of perfect peace. A world where there's no sickness, no suffering, and no death. Can you imagine that? That's what heaven is like. That's what eternity will be like for you and I. So let us encourage one another with these words. Let us build one another up. So whether we die or whether, whether we wake or whether we sleep, we're going to be with him. He's with us. He accompanies us in the shadows, in the valley of the shadow of death. He's with us through this storm. Amen. And so here's two things in application. Seek to know and believe the gospel and its implications accurately and affectionately. Seek to know and believe the gospel and its implications accurately. Make sure you know the gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. And make sure you believe it. It's not enough to merely know it intellectually and not believe in Christ from your heart. Not to put reliance upon Him, okay? You must know and believe the good news, right? I, when, when I'm preaching on the dart trains, or uh, I, one of the things I like to, to point to is, is, is that when people get on the train, they put faith in the train, in the train driver to get them to their destination, right? It's not enough to just say, I believe that train will get me where I want to go. Well, if you believe it, then get on it. If you if you want to go there, right? And and Jesus is the only way to salvation. He's not one way among many. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And so today is the day of salvation. If you're watching and you don't know Christ, you don't have a personal intimate relationship with God. 
You've heard this good news that Jesus has died for you, that he loves you, that he welcomes you with all your sinfulness, all your brokenness, all your shame, all your struggles. You bring it to him, to the cross, and he will give you mercy, forgiveness, and life in exchange for your sins. He loves you. And so seek to know and believe the gospel accurately, but also affectionately. And what I mean by that is let the gospel hit you in the heart. Let it, let it affect your affections. Let it change your affections and redirect your affections. Not just your thinking. Your thinking, but also your heart affections, what you love and what you care about. The gospel changes us from the inside out, how we think and how we live. And God is jealous for the affections of your heart. We're commanded to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. God knows he's the only one that we can give all of our affection to and not be heartbroken, not be disappointed, not be let down. Give him your affections. Know the gospel accurately and affectionately. And lastly, seek to encourage others with gospel truths. During this time, saints, I want to encourage you to think of creative, innovative ways to engage and encourage other believers. Don't neglect the community of faith during this time because it's really easy to. There's a tendency to neglect meeting together and connecting together. Yeah, you know, this online uh, screen time stuff does not replace real present relationships. Okay, that's that's one of the most difficult things about this time, right? Is that we're, we're not able to gather together and lift up our voices together and see one another's faces together and absorb the joy of one, being in the presence of one another. The encouragement, the grace that we experience together as God inhabits the praises of his people in one place. But let's use these means that we do have. These online tools. FaceTime. Facebook Messenger. Facebook. Uh, Marco Polo. Let's use those, those uh, text message. Uh, what, whatever tools you have to engage in community with the people of God and encourage them. Encourage them with the gospel. And lastly, let me throw one more thing in there too. Reach out to those who don't know Jesus and share the gospel with them. Share the hope that you have. We have this living hope within us. And the fact that it's living implies that it's, it's growing. Okay? It's alive and it's growing and it should spread through our lives. We should spread hope and spread encouragement. Pointing people to Jesus. Amen? And so let me pray with you. Let us pray together. If you're watching and you don't know Jesus or you're, you question whether you have an authentic relationship with God, would you Facebook message us on our Facebook uh, at City Church Garland? We would love to talk with you, pray with you, help you in any way that we can during this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you that Jesus is alive and that we are promised 
to be raised up with him. And so, Father, may that ignite hope within us, passion within us, anticipation within us. May we be comforted, encouraged by these gospel truths that you are 100% for us and you have showed us that at the cross. And we are not destined to wrath, but to salvation through Jesus. And so may we sing like it. May we pray like it. May we think like it, feel like it, and may we live like it boldly before the unbelieving world, unashamedly before the unbelieving world. May we show the love of Christ. May we be truly be lights in the darkness during this time. In Christ's name we pray. Let us sing together. From heaven to earth, our Savior came. For us on a cross, He bled and died. And from the cross to an empty grave, He rose to life, He rose to life.